0: So, as I warned you guys last week, last week was a shorter version. Remember, we just went on forgiveness, and today is a little longer. Um, It's dealing with love. We imitate God through walking in love. So, be patient with me here. So, we are in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. All right. Ephesians five verse one and two. And the word of God reads, "Therefore, be imitators of God." It's our word again. Be imitators to mimic God as beloved children. Right? We dug into that last week. And walk in love, just as Christ also what loved you and gave Himself up for us, an offering. And it's and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. So last week we seen that we are called to imitate God, right? Remember that? Last week we see that we are called to imitate God as dearly loved children, right? That's, that was the focus of last week. And one of the verses that we looked at was John five, 19 to 20 where, and I'm just gonna paraphrase here, where Jesus says that I can do nothing of myself. Remember he said that? And that whatever I see the father do, whatever I see the father do, he says, I do, right? Well, in a sense, do you realize this church in a sense as dearly beloved children of God, like Jesus, right? We also take on this same attitude as well. Do you know that? That whatever we see God do in a sense, we do. Right. And, and, and so when you consider, for example, the Old Testament, look at the Old Testament. We know that God hates idolatry. Right. And so we therefore hate idolatry and idolatry is not just worshiping a statue or, or praying to a statue. But you can idolize your kids. You can idolize your spouse. You can idolize your job. You can idolize money. You can idolize sports teams, whatever you treat as that ultimate thing, whatever replaces God at the center of your heart is an idol. And God says he hates idols, and so we see God hating idols in the Old Testament, and so we also hate idol or idol worship as well, right? Because we see God hating that in the Old Testament or the Tanakh. We see that God hates when justice is perverted, right? Or when when there's a different justice standard in Israel for the rich Israelite and the poor Israelite, right? And so we hate when justice is perverted. Why? Because when we read throughout the Old Testament, we see justice being perverted and we see it gets God angry. And so we see God being upset at that. And so we get upset at that, right? We see in Israel how... Uh, Israel. The Israelites were called to take special note of vulnerable people in Israeli society, right? Considered the, the, the poor, the, wolf, the widow, the orphan, the stranger, or the immigrant. And so we take special note of that group in our society. Why? Because we see that God took special note and, and took uh, concern for that group, right? So we see God doing that, and so we see, and we also model that. We see in the Old Testament or the Tanakh that, that God loves obedience to his word. So we love obedience to the word, and we want to walk in obedience to his word, right? Because we see that's something that God likes. We want to imitate God. We want to do what God does. We want to like what God likes, right? We also see when you read throughout the Old Testament that God pursues his glory. And so we as dear children, we want to be all about the glory of God, right? We want to do things for God's glory. And then when you go to the New Testament, we learn more about God by looking at Jesus, right? Jesus helped us to understand more about God. And so whatever Jesus champions, we should champion. Whatever Jesus says is valuable, we should say that is valuable. That is how we, as dearly beloved children, imitate God. We we like what he likes. We hate what he, what he hates. We, we do what God does in that sense. And this is why it's important, if you remember last week, I said it was, it's important for you to study the Word of God and to and to be around hearing the word taught because you can't model or mimic something that you don't know right if i'm not studying god's word how am i going to know what to mimic and model so i need to constantly be reading my word so i can see what to model i need to be constantly around where the word of god is preached and taught why so that i can mimic right because if i'm a basketball player and i want to learn michael jordan's move guess what i have to do i have to study michael jordan game tapes right i have to study all of his tapes and then that's how I learned his moves. Um, I I recall hearing that Kobe Bryant for example before he passed obviously they say that he would watch hours and hours of Michael Jordan film tape, even down to the way that Michael Jordan walked. If you look at Kobe Bryant how he walked, he even walked like Michael Jordan. Everything he did, Jordan's walk, he would walk like him. Why? Because he just watched film after film and he would study him to, to imitate him, to be like him in all of his basketball ways. Well, that is the way, church, that we ought to study Jesus. That is the way we ought to study God, that when people see us, they like, man, you you look just like Jesus. The, the way you're talking, the way you're acting, it, it, it is just like Jesus. You must have been around that Jesus fellow because I can just smell him on you. You just act so much like him. See, that is what we are also called to do. Just like Kobe studied Jordan, we study God and we imitate God and we model him in all of our ways. That's what it is to be a Christian. You're like a mini Christ. You're like a mini Jesus. You, you, you model all of your ways after Christ. And so we are called to imitate God, in that sense. Now, here in our study in Ephesians 5, more specifically, we're called to imitate God in the areas of forgiveness and love. Remember, forgiveness and love. That's what we talked about last week. In particular, we looked at forgiveness. Now, remember, last week's talk on forgiveness, we talked about Forgiveness is is really hard. It's not one of those characteristics that's high on the chart of everybody's godliness, right? Forgiveness is not one of those things that we wake up and say, I just can't wait to forgive and just just to forgive people. No, forgiveness is, is hard. The reason why forgiveness is hard, as we talked about again, is because it requires somebody offending you. It requires something happening to you. It requires, as in the old King James, somebody trespassing against you. Forgiveness requires you taking a loss. It requires you taking an L. And when you take that loss or when something happens to you or even someone in your family, you have, to act, you have to turn around and forgive this person. And not only do you have to forgive them with words, God is not looking for just lip service saying, I forgive you, but you actually have to forgive them truly in your heart. Remember, we are the tender hearted ones. You remember that from Ephesians 4 where, where Paul says that um, to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, and that word tender-hearted means to have good bowels, meaning you have to really mean it when you forgive. He's not just talking about lip, lip service here. When we forgive, we want to forgive truly in our heart. And to help us with this tough thing of forgiveness, remember the apostle gives us Jesus. He reminds us how God has forgiven us in Christ. And so as God has forgiven you in Jesus, he says that you also should forgive others. So forgiveness is one way here, specifically in Ephesians 5, that we are 4 and 5, that we imitate God. We imitate God and we forgive others as God has forgiven us in Christ. Now, the main study we're going to look at today is love, all right, walking in love. Because the apostle says here is to walk in love just as Christ also loved you. And so that is where we're going to spend the bulk of our time here looking at love um, just a little, a little outline. We're going to talk about walking in love. We're going to look at just love itself. We're going to spend some time just kind of looking at love and what it means from the scripture standpoint. We're going to look at how Jesus loved us, and then we're going to talk about Christ's love of the Father. We're going to kind of bring it all together at the end with walking in love. So that is a little, a little roadmap if you want to know where we are going. So Ephesians five, we are called to imitate god through love or by walking in love now love itself i'm not sure if anthony you may be able to help me with this i'm not sure if it was c.s lewis or charles spurgeon but they said something to this extent and they said that one of the reasons that god created water was that so we can learn what it means to thirst after him to thirst after god like, Yes, there's a need for water, but God created water so when we don't have it, we can learn, you know, what it means to thirst and then we can understand what it means to thirst after God, right? And and you can say the same thing with light, right? Light has practical implications or practical um, use, right? Light dispels darkness, but we see in the scripture that God is also called light, and we see how he, as light, dispels darkness. So us being able to physically see light helps us to understand God when God says that I am light, meaning I can dispel darkness, I bring vision, right? So that helps us to understand light. In keeping with that same line of thought, I wonder this, I wonder if God has given us the feelings and emotion of love, you know that feeling that you feel when you hug someone you love, when you hug someone that is so dear to you. I I wonder if God has given us that feeling of love so that we can know how he feels about us. I wonder if that that feeling of love that we have, if if it's something that gives us a taste of the divine love. See, if I didn't know and experience love myself, then John 3.16 would have no weight to me. Do you see that? If I didn't know and experience love from the people in this world, from people that I love, then when I read John 3.16, it would would have no weight on me. But because I have experienced love and known love, when I hear that God loves me, then I have a better understanding of what it's talking about here. So I wonder if that is why God has given us these feelings of love. Um, One of my all-time favorite verses, a verse you guys heard me quote over and over before, is Song of Solomon... 4 7. I, I love this. You guys want to hear pure, pure uh, poetic magic? Read Psalms, uh, Song of Solomon. But here, here's one of my favorite verses here it's Song of Solomon 4 7. Remember, we're talking about love. This is the verse that, that Solomon says here. He says this in, Sol- in Song of Solomon 4 7. He says, You are altogether beautiful, my darling, and there is no blemish in you. Right? Look at that poetic magic. Watch this in verse nine, what he says here. Then he says, you have made my heart beat faster. My sister, my bride, watch this. He says, you have made my heart beat faster with a single glance of your eye. You have made my heart beat faster just with a glance of your eye. Just when you when you look at me, it's just something of you looking at me. You, you make my heart beat faster, Solomon says. See, I mean, Hallmark movies have nothing on Solomon. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Shakespeare, they have nothing on Solomon. Do you see, this is pure poetic magic. When you read those words, don't those words just jump off of the page and just wrap their arms around you? It's just pure beauty, just pure love. But here's the thing, what we see here in Song of Solomon, here's the beauty, or, or here's the thing. This is a human expression of love. This is love coming from a person or coming from people who possess evil inside of them as Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. Do you remember what he says in Matthew 7 where Jesus says this? He says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? If you being evil, if if Solomon being evil can can speak that type of love for another person, if, if you being evil, then imagine love from a pure and holy God. Words can't even express the love that he feels for us. True children words can't even express the love that he feels for us as true children remember what John 1:12 tells us, but as many as received him talking about Jesus to them he gave the right to become children of God you are true children and can you just imagine this love that God has for you if Solomon can love this woman so much can you imagine pure love God's love for you so when you read John 3:16 church. God so loved the world. Please don't think human love. It's not God so humanly loved the world. No. But this is... Pure love, this is love that will blow your heart out if it ever pulls to your body in its current state. If if God's love, if that pure love ever touched your body in this pure human state, it would blow your heart out. It's it's like a speaker that you can turn up and you know you you blow the speakers out. If, if, If the pureness of God's love ever touched us in our fallen state, if we ever experienced it in our fallen state, it would just blow our hearts out. remember you haven't even really felt the full experience of God's love because Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 9 that we know in part even God's love you haven't even fully experienced it yet the the pureness of it we know in part but imagine when you see the Lord on face to face on that day you will see truly what the love of God is more than you experience now you only know in part now you're gonna know way more so love church love is this powerful thing Love has this special ability to take away the sting and pains of death. That's what love does. See, our, our text says here, be imitators of God as beloved children, dearly loved children. He says, be imitators of God because God has loved us. So Paul is saying, because God has dearly loved you, you should walk in love and you should really love others. And then he gives us Jesus as the example of walking in love. He says, just as Christ also loved you. So the text says that Jesus loved you. Look at what this word of God says. Don't let me just go over that. The word of God says, just as Christ also loved you. Let that sink in that Christ loved you. You, church, you, me. Christ loves us. And this love is not just a love that's in word and deed, but it's complete love that involves the affections of the heart. It's, it's that tenderheartedness that we read in Ephesians 4. It's, it's that real love that Mary J. Bly sung about. That That's the love that Christ has for you, that, that real love. It's the love that Solomon had for his bride, but it is a, a gazillion times more than that. You, you know that feeling that you get inside when you, you go and you hug your children? But guess what? The love of Christ is a gazillion times more than that. Or, you know that feeling you get when you go and you hug your spouse? Do you realize that the love that Christ has for you is a gazillion times more than that? You know that love when you you walk in from home and your your kids grab you or your grandkids grab your leg and they, and they hug you. Guess what? You know that feeling that you feel. Well, guess what? Christ's love for you is a gazillion times more than that. If you can bottle up all those feelings, if you can bottle up all of those emotions, it still would not compete with the love that Christ felt and that Christ feels for you. So when you see this text where it says that Jesus loved, if you got to think of those things. It is a deep, deep, real, real love that involves the factions of the heart. It's not just words, church. It's not just it's every it's 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 just the wholeness of love of what it is. That's what Christ feels for us, and that's how He thinks about us. Oh my goodness, my mouth is getting dry. Mm. man so believers just know that every passion that you've ever felt every feeling of love that you've ever known it's only a taste of the divine love for you oh you child of god every feeling think about all those feelings of love that you've experienced it's just a taste of what the divine love really is you're only tasting what christ's love really is All those feelings, all those affections. It's the taste of the divine love that Christ loved you. So church, Christ loved us. And guess what? He loved us with all of the warm and fuzzies. All of the warm and fuzzies. Christ loved you. See, Christ did not just come as a stoic. He didn't just come all stone-faced. But no, he had all of the human emotions that he created. All of the human emotions that we have that he created, he had. So he felt real love for us. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 17 says this. Therefore he, talking about Jesus, had to be made like his brethren in all things. He had to be made like his brethren in all things. So that means that Christ had real love, real affection. That thing that you feel for one another, that thing that you feel inside, Christ really had that. He had that, he has that for you. He had to be made like his brethren in all things. So Christ loved us with the warm and fuzzies, the same and warm and fuzzies that you feel and experience with your loved ones, that is what Christ also has for us and had for us. He loved us. And not only do we see in Ephesians 5 that Christ loved us, but it tells us how Christ loved us. It says that just as Jesus also loved you and gave himself up for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. So he gave himself up. He demonstrated his love by giving himself as an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. See, what I see here when I read that verse, verse 2 of chapter 5, What I see here is that the warm and fuzzy is on the inside of Christ they came out on the outside of him and took him on a walk to Golgotha. See, the, the, the warm and fuzzies on the inside of Christ came out of him and led him to climb upon a cross. See, the, the warm and fuzzies on the inside of him came out of him and allowed him to be nailed on a cross. See, the, the warm and fuzzy love that he has for us came from the inside to the outside and allowed his hands and his wrists to be nailed on a cross. See, the warm and fuzzy love that he had for us on the inside came and allowed his nails to be nailed to our his, his feet to be nailed to the the cross. See, the the warm and fuzzy love that he had for us on the inside allowed a spear to be stuck in his side. See, the warm and fuzzy love that he had for us on the inside allowed him to give himself as a ransom for many. See, that same warm and fuzzy love that was on the inside came out and allowed him to give himself as an offering, a sacrifice, a sweet aroma unto God. See, he had real love. But that real love turned into real action. It did something to him. It didn't just stay inside of him. He didn't just have affections of the heart, but that real love actually moved him to do something. That real love led him to sacrifice his life on the cross. That's what that real love did. I even wonder sometimes when I read this text, this question pops up in my mind. I I say, I, I wonder did Jesus even feel the blows when they hit him? I wonder if he even felt the blows and I say that because love has this ability to take the sting and pain of, of death away. Love has the ability to take away discomfort. For example, imagine when you, you, you're a person and you work 40, 50 hours, 60 hours a week, you've been dealing with clients, you've been dealing with coworkers, and on Friday you just wanna get home and you wanna go to bed, you just wanna relax, but the problem is you can only sleep a few hours. Because you got to wake up at 4 or 5 in the morning to take your son or your daughter to the game. So then the alarm clock goes off, you get up. And guess what? While it is difficult to get up, getting up is a tad bit more easy. Why? Because of this love that you have for your child and your desire to give them everything. See, love has this ability to take away the stink. That's what love does. Or maybe you're a a mom or a wife and you've been busy all day, you've been busy all day and now it 's time to prepare dinner, and you are tired or you just you just want to go home and just bench watch on Netflix, but you have this this woman or you have, you have a husband and a family that you know you have to feed, but love has this, has this way of just giving you this extra boost see love has this this ability to remove the fatigue and to remove the irritation to allow you to, to go and, and feed your family to do the things that you need to do see love has the ability. To take away the sting, it has the ability to push you beyond yourself. It has the ability to make you do things that you couldn't do. So when we are giving the example of Jesus loving us and walking in love, you got to remember that Jesus was 100% God, and He's also was 100% man. And so Him being 100% God, guess what? He's dealing with a pure love, a love that is out of this world. And so yes, I'm sure that in His humanity. Yes, he felt the blows, he felt the hits, but still, I just, the point I want you to see is that love has this absorbing power that they can take away this thing. See, love is this powerful, powerful thing, so powerful that it is the only emotion that I know of in the Scripture that is defined by God. In 1 John 4, it says that God is love. You want your definition? God is love. That is how powerful this thing is. So, God is love, And God is our Father, as Paul tells us here, and we are told to imitate our Father and walk in love. And remember, when you see the word walk in the Bible, walk means how you live. Walk means your lifestyle. So we are called to walk in this most powerful, strong emotion known as love, meaning that love should be a part of your daily walk. It should be how you live. You have to walk in this strong, powerful emotion known as love. That's what the scripture is telling us to do here. Walk in love as Christ loved you. Now, here's the thing. In our society, love can be a pretty broad and vague word, right? Especially right now. We say everything is love. Love is love, right? That's the, that's the common phrase, just love is love. But here's the good thing. The Bible actually gives us guardrails for love. It's not just love is love. The, the Bible and the scriptures give us Guardrails for love. Even here in Ephesians five, it's giving us specifics of Christ's love, His forgiveness. We see the specifics of Christ actually giving Himself as a sacrifice. So, all love is not every. All love is not love. Um, what I want to do now, I just want to read to you what the scriptures says about love. We all know that famous verse, First uh, Corinthians thirteen. But I want to read to you what it says about love here in the Scriptures. I'll read you 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 to 7. Just just check this out since we're talking about love here and how we are to walk in love. You want to know what it is, right? So this is one of the best places. 1 Corinthians 4. Alright, 1 Corinthians 13 4. The scripture says this love is patient. Love is kind. And it's not jealous. Love does not brag. And is not arrogant, does not act unbecoming, it does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered. Verse six, key key one here. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Seven, love bears all things, love believes all things, love hopes all things, and love in doers all things. Most recently I was asked a question. The question was asked to me, would you attend an LGBTQ wedding? Verse six is why I can't attend an LGBTQ wedding. Because verse six says, love does not rejoice in unrighteousness. And it says, but rejoices with the truth that's not truth so that is why I can't participate in that a wedding is a celebratory event I can't rejoice in something that's unrighteous I can't rejoice in something that's not of the truth so I can't because I can't rejoice in that so that is why we. I have to say to the Bibles. That's what I said. Love has guardrails. The Bible. It's not just everything is love because I love it. No, the Bible actually gives you guardrails with love. It shows you the what love is and what is not outside of this. That's not love. It's the Bible gives us the lanes of love. Now, specifically, back in our main text in Ephesians five, the love that Paul is drawing us to is the love that Jesus showed, which is sacrificial love. He's putting himself ahead of others. Look what it says back in Ephesians 5. Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. So the love here that Paul has in mind is that sacrificial love. See, in the Greek culture, there was eight words for love in the Greek culture, the Greco-Roman culture. Um, You had your first one, which is Aries love, which is more sexual nature which which would deal with a husband and a wife that's a type of love then you had phila uh, phila philo phila love i can't say it right where's my girl oh there she is is. she's from philadelphia she knows all, all about that philo love right that's that's that brotherly love right your friendship love that's that's one love and then you had the storage love which is that love of your brothers and sisters right and then you had the highest love The highest love was that self-sacrificing love, that agape love, or that agapeo love, right? And and that's the love that we are called to walk in. That's the love that Jesus walked in. He walked in that agapeo love, that agape love, that self-sacrificing love, the highest love. Which means that the love that we are called to walk in is not that easy love. It's not that that cheap, convenient love, but it's like Molly Music says in his song, it's that heavy love. It's that real love. It's that in sickness and in health for richer or poorer love. It's that uh, I'm going to work two or three jobs to put food on this table and a roof over your head love. It's that I'm going to love you when you are sober and I'm going to love you in your addiction love. It's that love that's going to cost me but I'm still seeking your best interest love. It's, that's the love we're called to walk in. It's that pale love. It's that hard love. It's that sacrificial love. That is what we're called to walk in. Real love, strong love, the top love. Think about the Apostle Paul in in Romans chapter 3, right? In Romans chapter 3, verse 25 uh, to 26, um, the Apostle gives us the reason that, or gives us two reasons why Jesus died on the cross, right? You can go other places, but in that passage, he tells us that he... He died on the cross to demonstrate God's righteousness for the sins that God previously passed over, which means that all of the sins that humanity committed, guess what? They didn't receive the full wrath and justice of God, and if God didn't um, punish those sins, then God would be unjust, so to speak. It's kind of like if a judge had a guy who was guilty of a crime a horrendous crime and he just let them off, we would say, judge, you're unrighteous, you're unjust, right? And so, so it's kind of along the, those same veins. All of the, the sins that humanity has committed, God didn't bring the full wrath, and, uh, uh, wrath upon those. And so um, part of the reason that Jesus is dying is, as some texts will say, is to vindicate God's righteousness or to show that God is righteous and that God is going to punish sin. But the other thing that we learn from Romans is that Jesus dies on the cross so that God could justify us, so it can provide a way for our justification, a way for you to be made righteous with God. It has the same thing you see, guess what, in, Roman, in, in uh, Ephesians 5, our main text. We see that Jesus is offering himself up for us, humanity, so we're seeing this devotion and love for us, but you also see in this text that it says that he's offering himself up as a sacrifice to God as a uh, fragrant aroma. So now you're saying his devotion and love to God and why he's giving himself. So it's this love for us, humanity, to make us right with God is why he's giving himself, but he's also doing it because out of love and devotion for his father. He's offering himself up as this fragrant aroma. See, when the text says here, fragrant aroma, that aroma is not for us. It's not for humanity. That aroma that is being offered up is for God. See, when the crowd was at Golgotha witnessing Jesus on a the cross, they smelled blood, right? Because Jesus is all bloody. They smelled open flesh, because remember, Jesus was scourged and he was whipped. They smelled sweat. Remember, because Jesus is sweating He's on the cross. They smelled death they smelled defeat when they were up there with jesus but do you know what god the father smelled as jesus hung on that cross god smelled roses he smelled this sweet fragrant aroma why because Jesus' death on the cross meant reconciliation of the whole world back to god see Colossians 1.20 tells us this, that through Jesus, God is reconciling all things to himself, having made peace, look, through the blood of his cross, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And I'm going to say this, and, I, and I, I, I'm not trying to sound arrogant, I'm not trying to sound high up, but some of the stuff I'm saying here may sound meaty to you you got to stay in your word because there's some deep stuff in this text where if you're not in your word, it's going to choke you. And you're just going to, like, not get it. You're going to be all confused. So just want to throw that out there. So Jesus' death, he's offered up a good aroma. The world sees death. They smell death. They smell blood. But to God, it is a sweet, fragrant aroma because it means reconciliation. The whole world to God, as Colossians 1.20 tells us. See, church, did you know that Jesus' death meant the defeat and overthrow of Satan and his kingdom? Did you know that the the way that Jesus defeated Satan was in his death? Let me give you the verse. Hebrews 2.14 says this. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, Jesus, likewise also partook of the same that through death... He might render powerless him who had the power of death that is the devil. Jesus defeated Satan through his death. See, he overthrow Satan kingdom through his death and by that, he establishes God's kingdom on earth through that. See, Jesus' death meant the reconciliation of the world. Jesus' death meant the overthrow of Satan and the overthrow of his kingdom the establishment of God's kingdom. So that is why this aroma is such a sweet-smelling fragrance to the Father. That is why it's a sweet-smelling offering. It's kind of like on the 4th of July. On the 4th of July, you walk outside. What do you smell? You just smell meat roasting. You smell you smell hot dogs. You smell carne asada. You smell hamburgers. You smell this great aroma, this great fragrance. That is the same thing here with Jesus. The world smelled death and blood, but to God, it is a sweet-smelling fragrance. It is an offering to Him. It means reconciliation of all these things to Him. It's the defeat of Satan. That is That's why this aroma is so sweet, church. That is why Paul can say he offered himself up as an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma, fragrant aroma to what would happen through Jesus' death on the cross. But all of this, they were reading about Jesus' sacrifice, giving himself as an offering, all of this can be captured in one word, love. Love is what is driving all of this that Jesus did. Love is what is driving what the Father has called Jesus to do. Love, love captures it at all. Just like love captures the entire Tanakh or the Old Testament, the Law and the Prophets, to love God and to love your neighbor, it's love. Love is what we are instructed to walk in. And love is how we imitate God. It's one of the ways that we imitate God. Forgiveness here in Ephesians and walking in love. Let us let us pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good, so mighty. Thank you for your word. Your meaty word, God, that feeds our soul. Take us deeper, Lord. God, allow this word that we've read and we looked at this stay on the minds, my brothers and sisters, that they take it home with them and they chew on it in their minds and that it constantly feeds them throughout the week. Oh Lord, help this church, this body understands our call to imitate you and forgiveness and love, sacrificial love. Help us to model you, Jesus. In all of our ways, Lord. Help us grow deeper in this divine love. Oh, God, may every time we feel love inside of our hearts, may we be reminded of your love for us. Every time, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. We bless your name, God. Amen, amen.